This Big 12 Game of the Week featuring the BYU Cougars and Kansas Jayhawks on the Big 12 Experience, part of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use the code SGP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on football, only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code SGP. We're also brought to you by Game Time. Snag those tickets without the stress. Use the promo code CFBX on your first purchase uh, to save $20. Download the Game Time app and use the promo code CFBX. And we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play the Underdog Pick'em in college or NFL and win up to 20 times in one game. Use the promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit up to $100. And finally, uh, last but not least, we're brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use the promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome, everybody, back to the Big 12 College Experience, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Big 12 conference play is finally here. No more previewing all these FCS, FBS games. And yes, shout out to the chat, Eat Shit Pit, of course, always. This is an Eat Shit Pit podcast. How about the Mountaineers? Told you, that was the lock of the freaking year. Pit Panthers had no chance of coming into Morgantown on that environment, on that night. If you're wondering who you're listening to, I am Moneyline Mac, a.k.a. the former, former video coordinator for Bob Huggins, who was uh, who I got to see this week and spent some time with, and Frank Martin, and joined each and on every episode. And he got in on a little 33-1 to Moneyline parlay with uh, those Miami Redhawks. So we unfortunately faded the Big 12 with Cincinnati. But we got the BYU Cougars getting it done in Fayetteville and, of course, the Mountaineers. I am Moneyline Mac, and he is the Big 12 guru. He's got family everywhere, whether it's in Waco, Stillwater, uh, Norman. He's everywhere. He's got Orlando, Cincinnati. Troy, what's up? Welcome back from Walter Sports Bar. Yeah, um, eat shit pit. Suck it. Suck that dick, Pittsburgh. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I love it. I mean, you send me a video of the Sweet Caroline plan, and like, as soon as I got the text message and it said like multimedia message, I knew right away what it was. Oh, man. There's nothing more beautiful than Puskar just doing the eat shit pit all together. All the, uh, uh, all the administrators and officials on the sideline are cracking up, doubled over laughing. Man, it doesn't get any better than that. Lose a quarterback and still beat the crap out of your, your uh, rival. Man, send them back up north. Nobody gives a shit about Pitt. Nobody cares about Pitt. And that's why we're not talking about Pitt until, uh, you know, basketball play when the Mountaineers will beat the shit out of them like they always do. But you know what we're here to do? We're here. And, yes, Terrell, shout out to the chat, uh, Terrell. 
there is a horns down on our Big 12 logos for everybody watching on YouTube.com slash college experience. This podcast is not biased at all on which teams we like. Um, I'll tell you a team we do like, and that's why we're bringing him on. He is the Big 12 Mafia featuring the BYU Cougars, a.k.a. Mr. Bomber. Uh, first, Big 12 Mafia, welcome to the Big 12 College Experience. Uh, and welcome welcome to the Big 12. I, glad to have you guys. And, you know, you guys are off to a fast start here. Yeah, we couldn't be better, right? We're really glad to be in the Big 12. We think it's going to be a fantastic fit. I think the Big 12 right now is easily the third best conference in the country. Uh, there's been rumors that there's even more additions that might potentially come in the next year. So, yeah, just going from strength to strength. And then, obviously, BYU's getting off to a good start this year, 3-0, and and, and starting to look not too bad. So, um, trying to get right into it. Uh, Heck of a win on the road in Fayetteville. I mean, the one thing I wanted to ask about was they they were able to win that game, but they were only averaging just under five yards per play, 4.9 yards per play. Now, do you think that that Arkansas's defense is a little bit better than Kansas's and that number might go up here this week? Because at 4.9 yards per play, I don't know if that's going to get it done against Kansas. And what do you think that the offense has to do a little bit differently maybe to, to have a little bit more success? Got to bring in those wide receivers, right? That's where we struggled the first three games of the year. Cody Apps being the number one receiver has been hurt. He just barely came back on Saturday. So he's not nearly back into the offense. Um, We've got Keanu Hill. There's four or five good receivers that are on this squad, but they're just a little bit off with Keaton Slovis right now. And I think it's coming. Uh, Of all the things you could, could, you could be critical of Keaton Slovis. He doesn't turn the ball over. Right. And in especially in Big 12 play, uh, not turning the ball over is going to mean so some of those short yardage gains, you know, five yards a play isn't great. But if you're getting two or three turnovers a game, that can really shorten how many yards you actually need, especially if they're on their side of the field. So uh, you can score a lot of points and and, uh, do fairly well if your defense doesn't get penalties and you get turnovers. Uh, and they look like they're going to start doing that. This this is a change. I don't know how if you guys know about BYU's defense the last several years. It was basically a three-drop-eight defense. There was no strategy, no scheme. So what they did is they're coming into the Big 12, so they paid big big money for a defensive coordinator to come in. Uh, Jay Hill came in from the uh, Weaver State. He was their head coach. He's a defensive guru. And mm-hmm. you can definitely tell these three games really showed out that defense is flexing and it's, it's adding pressure where they don't expect it. And they're doing pretty well. I, you know, uh, big 12 mafia. I think, I think you got a copy of my notes cause you stole the question right from me. Talk about how the impact of Jay Hill, it comes over from Weber state. You don't see a head coach leave to go be a defensive coordinator, but it kind of tells you, about the investments that BYU wants to make in football going forward. Talk about just his impact early on. I know the Sam Houston State was a bit of a grinder in game number one, but, I mean, they, the defense is much improved from last year, in my opinion. What, what do you guys think? Oh, it's 100%. I mean, you 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 got to understand and be in the mindset of BYU uh, yep. fans. Uh, for the last three years, they've been a top 20 offense each and every year. Zach Wilson. 
uh, Jaron Hall. These guys are in the NFL right now, right? And that's a lot to lose. So when Keaton Slovis comes in, he's stepping into an operation that's already well-oiled and, and it's working well. Now you add a defense, and last year they were, I think, 119th out of 131 in total defense. That's unsustainable, right? You don't belong in any big conference if you're doing that that kind of stats. So they turned it around. They're paying them a lot of money for a, for a an assistant coordinate for a coordinator. He's making like a million two, something like that. That's a lot of money, yeah. especially in BYU land. So the investments there. They went out and got a bunch of transfers. I think there were 16th or 17th in total transfers for quality. And they turned the, the roster over. 60 players are different from the, the – everybody talks about Colorado turning over 86. BYU turned over 60. That is not a small amount. And yet they're starting to hit their stride. So, I again, if, if we win this Kansas game, and I'm not saying we're going to, but if we can beat Kansas and then the next week we win our opener with Cincinnati at home, uh, Big 12 opener, right, historic time, uh, BYU generally plays – good in those instances you're off to a five and zero start and tcu might be down there's iowa states down now you're looking at seven wins eight wins nine wins and they start to stack up on each other and we were, we were just kind of talking about that ryan and i did uh their separate ryan and rush podcast right before this um some of those teams that were predicted to be you know like middle tier big 12 teams right. they're all gonna have a shot because the top teams aren't dominant by any fashion i mean you could say Oklahoma's dominant, but they're playing, you know, little sisters of the poor and blind. <laughs> right. Um, That's true. <laughs> the question that I wanted to ask specifically, because you've probably watched a lot more of just BYU games, especially up until last week. Keaton Slovis looks like a different quarterback so far. Uh, his biggest issue at Pitt last year, he threw 10 touchdowns, but nine interceptions. And right. he's six and one so far this year on TD to interceptions. This BYU-Kansas game, the biggest handicap is the fact that it's assumed that Jalen Daniels is significantly going to outperform Keaton Slovis. Right. And you said something about the wide receivers and all that. How is how is Keaton Slovis going to beat or out at least you know perform up to par with Jalen Daniels in this game? Is it just more passes out wide? Is it trying to take advantage of something on the Kansas defense specifically that BYU can uh, exploit or something like that? I, I think the biggest difference is going to be how well BYU adds pressure. So everybody knows how good J Daniels is, right? There's no doubt about the fact that he's easily one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league. And he's probably top 15 in the nation. So containing him is what the, the banner, uh, banner order is going to be. Not necessarily stopping him. They're going to get their pressures down the field. But if BYU can just keep everything in front of them and then just add a little bit of additional pressure with the offense, Keaton Slovis, the biggest difference, you asked the difference between the two things. At USC, he was a four-star athlete, right? He came out highly recruited. And then what? He loses his coach in the middle of the season, totally gets blown up. And then when when uh, Riley came in, he said, sorry, we're going to turn the keys over to who? this guy named Williams, right? So there was, it's not like there was an option for him to stick around. The second thing is when he went to Pitt, Jordan Addison was supposed to be his number one receiver. Jordan Addison's yeah. in the NFL now, went to USC last year, blew up, and so he lost his main threat. The only reason he went to Pitt was because Jordan Addison was there. So, yeah, is it, he's – Thrown for over 10,000 yards. Is he long in the tooth? Yeah, he is. But that, I would say, is it's better for BYU because they're 
their entire team in general is more experienced. And that's why as they hit their strike going into this season, they could be much more uh, dangerous. Yeah. No, and I think the most underrated thing about BYU and what an advantage that nobody talks about is Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And all these teams that have to go out to play at that elevation, we talk about it all the time on this show. When we broke down each team, I don't think we had BYU losing a home game. And we've seen it teams like Oregon that have gone out there last year. Or, or sorry, Baylor. I got my green team mixed up. They were able to pick them off. In the past, they've had issues scheduling those teams because nobody wanted to go to BYU and play because you probably were going to get beat. Talk about how, A, the the travel, B, the elevation, just how much that could be a dominant home field advantage for years to come in the Big 12, arguably the hardest place to play in the league now. I tell you what, it's going to be something. that If they have any advantage, it's that three points you get immediately because of home field. And it might even be more than that because you add in the complications. Travel isn't such a big deal. We're only 45 minutes south from Salt Lake. You can now charter into Provo. So travel's not really the thing. What is the thing, though, is elevation and time of day. When BYU plays um, after, what is it, 8 p.m. Eastern, there's some ridiculous 16 and two or something like that in the last three years when they play in yeah. those late games, which everybody else, everybody else shies away from the night games, right? Everybody's like, why would you want to play at night? Nobody wants to watch games at night. That is the flip side for BYU. They love the night games. Early evening and night make games is where BYU can really get out and strut at stuff. You brought up Baylor last year. Everybody came away from that game. That was a Baylor person saying, wow, how, how are we going to come in here and win year in and year out? So is, are they automatically going to win every game at home? No, it's, you can't say that in a league like the Big 12. But I tell you what, I think they're ready to bushwhack Oklahoma at the end of the year. It's not only oh, yeah. is it the game before the last in the season, but uh, Oklahoma is going to come in and they're going to be at a long run of four games that there's a tough people in front of them. So they can't look ahead and game plan for a BYU. Even if BYU is sitting at 16, six and four or something like that at that game, they're still extremely dangerous because of the location and um, really what the elevation does to people. It's just as bad as when BYU has to go down to elevation. We were in Arkansas on Saturday, and I think what you saw is BYU travels well. Not only do they travel from a fan's perspective, but their conditioning is incredible. They went in there, and by the end of the game, you can make an argument, BYU is in better physical condition than Arkansas was. And you mentioned the uh, the home schedule is pretty favorable for you guys. I think it's what? They got Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Tech and Cincinnati. That's their, right. Their, their home games. Yes. So if you see those four as the home games, you're really thinking that obviously that Oklahoma one is the most uh, uh, competitive, I would say. But outside of that, what do, you, what do you see in the Big 12 record after starting off 3-0, and going to Fayetteville, being pretty – Pretty, I would say a little bit higher than you would have been before the season started. What, what do you think they do? You think they can win seven games in the Big Twelve? I think right now we're set up to do better than that. Look, at the end of the day, you have to win your home games. If you count, yeah. you win four, lose two of those. Now you're sitting at seven already. Well, you're a seven. Also, just just to clear up, I'm talking about seven yeah. league games or six. League oh, games. I'm sorry. You're right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, league games are different. I thought you were talking about in total. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, winning those winning those league games is the most difficult because they're the ones that are going to get to know you the, the quickest. This year, BYU has the advantage on every team they're going to play because we don't play Baylor. 
Nobody else in the Big 12 has played BYU in the last four years. So the team that everybody's going to be seeing is the first time they're going to see him. Next year, you're going to see adjustments, and people will be able to game plan around a lot of the things that BYU does. But I'll give you a few keys to pay attention to. Turnovers, if they can win the turnover battle, uh, what's the current spread at Kansas right now? Is it seven and a half? I think it's up to nine. It's nine. See, that's, it's nine. That's now. a silly number. I don't know where, where, what people watched that Kansas game last week. It wasn't a throwaway game, but certainly they did not put anything out there that said they're going to blow BYU out. So I would, I would bet the under on that, just personally. So turnovers is one of them. The other thing is the conditioning. At Kansas, generally, they like to spread the field and they're quick fire, right? They'll like to stretch the field and they're very quick on the edges. BYU can play to his advantages in that respect. All four of the defensive backs and safeties, highly experienced. Three came from Weaver State, where uh, Jay Hill had just gotten him off his own roster. So these guys know how to play in his system. And if you saw, again, I, I just point to Arkansas. Arkansas put up 365 yards in the air, or sorry, on the ground last year at BYU. Just on the ground. We're not even going to throw in the 180 that he got on the in the air. Uh, BYU held them to under 100 yards in total offense when it comes to the second half of the game. They didn't get anything more than 100 yards in the second half. And the first half, you can only say point to a couple plays, and then they weren't in it even in, in the first half. So I think BYU is going to be in there to play. I think that number is a crazy number. And um, – yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. You know, you had all these sports writers saying BYU was going to win four games. Four games yeah. in the entire season. That meant you were only going to win two games in conference. That's insanity. And, you know, the reason that is, is it's it's a bias. It's a bias because these people haven't watched the school. They know the reputation, but they don't know how BYU is actually set up to play game in, game, game out. Next year, if they win seven, eight games, if you they win four or five games in conference – now all of a sudden you're going to look at BYU as a perennial top five type top four school. Yeah, no, and I I don't I knew about the BYU Utah rivalry just because obviously you know Rush who's not with us tonight, but right I did not I and I knew that BYU's fan base traveled, but when you start seeing them take over a little bit of the Arkansas Stadium, I mean Arkansas is a no joke fan base. The BYU brand is big time and probably the most underrated brand in, in the country just because they've been under the radar. And, and uh, maybe it's because BYU is, is, is the Mormon school. And I don't know, right. maybe it, they just are always slept on, but you're absolutely right. And let's get right into it. Then Saturday's final uh, prediction score. If you think the BYU Cougar are going to find a way to get to four now, and then what's your overall season pr prediction? Do you think they get to Dallas in the end? Oh boy, Dallas, that's dreaming, isn't it? Uh, let's start with Kansas. Uh, I, yeah. I, I do. I, I would still probably say Kansas in a straight up bet would be the favorite. I mean, they're at home. They do have the most experienced team. They're, they're, they've been P5 for a lot longer than BYU has been able to claim it. And, um, you know, just from sheer uh, uh, reputation, you'd have to say Kansas is going to come out and play really well. I would take BYU with the points. I would say that BYU is going to put up a lot of points and could outright win. Uh, it could be it could be another 37-31, 37-34 type situation. Uh, BYU's kicker is another thing. This is a secret. 
most people don't know this, but BYU's kicker had never kicked a field goal before he made a 50-yard one on Saturday. So, and that was in the heart of the game where, where he's never been leaned on to do it before just trots out and makes a 50 yard field goal. So that's not a joke, right? It's it, those extra points are out there and not every team can get them. So it, it, I just, I just am feeling very confident. So I would say 37, 34, 37, 31, something like that. And then as far as getting to, to uh, Dallas, it's wide open, isn't it? Because wide Texas open. tech, I thought Texas Tech was good, you know, what could possibly be in that championship game. There, that's East. I don't know. Oklahoma State is nowhere. Baylor's disappeared. Kansas State did not look great on Saturday. Um, I, and they lost to Colorado. I, and how good really is Colorado? We're going to find out against Oregon on Saturday. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, I don't know. It's possible. That it is absolutely possible everything could fall, that BYU could be in that championship game. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. So you got Kansas winning a close one. I I think no matter what, it will be a close game. I like I like that prediction. But Big Twelve Mafia, we can't thank you enough for joining us, and, and can't wait to have you back, man, because you're part of the Big Twelve, aka the Wild Wild West League. Like you said, this thing is wide open, and it's it's gonna be like that for years to come, especially with those two other schools leaving and these four newcomers coming in after the four newcomers this year. So. Uh, go, everybody, right now, go over there and follow the Big 12 Mafia at B12Mafia. Pretty simple there, easy to remember. And uh, <laughs> thanks for stopping by and look forward to having you again in the future, my man. You bet. Absolutely. Appreciate the invitation. You guys have been great. I'm, I'm willing to come on whenever you need me. And um, we'll, we'll get you all over on my shows, too. I think you guys would love the people that I, oh, that yeah. I associate with over there. My team is awesome. And uh, really quick, let me name drop them. Uh, the Wild Youth yes. is my partner for the Holy Rivals, which is the Holy War. Uh, that's a show that we do a qu- couple times a week. We're actually doing that tonight at 8.30 Eastern. So that'll be the Holy Rivals will be on um, with the Wild Ute. And then my two really important key contributors, guys, that have turned into good friends of mine, uh, Immaculate View and Moen Sports. Both guys, if you follow them on Twitter um, or, or haven't heard of them, come watch my show tonight. You can see what these guys are put together. And they're both Big Ten guys. So they know okay. the Big Ten really well, and they're, they've been really good match matches for us in the Big 12. And now that Utah's coming over, that's it. It's all bets are off. Oh, yeah. Was, Holy War was, is a Big 12 war now. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say thanks for coming on, Balmer, but um, you listed all of those the schools that, you know, they might be much easier wins than we thought two or three right. weeks ago. TCU yeah. can't tackle either. So, you know, there's yeah. a chance that BYU starts pretty hot here in the league if they can beat Kansas. You know, I could see Cincinnati, TCU, Texas Tech being 4-0 in the league going into a huge matchup against Texas. That would be awesome. It would well, be great to watch the Mormons put the horns down, man. Okay, so oh, yeah. you guys you guys know what the stats are for BYU with Texas, right? They're they own four, them. They're 4-1 and one yeah. all time, and they lost to Taysom Hill back-to-back years. And so if Taysom oh, yeah. Hill comes and runs the flag out for that game, I'm going to pick him to beat the Longhorns in Austin. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> love it. Thanks, Big 12 Mafia. And yes, go, fo- go follow them and go check out their show later this evening. They're doing the Lord's work over there uh, talking <laughs> BYU football, baby. Appreciate it, guys. Peace out. We'll see you later. See you, Bobber. Bob, 
Bomber from the Big 12 call or from the Big 12 Mafia. So you say Big 12 College Experience. We got another guest coming on real quick, but I got to get us paid real quick. Um, we're brought to you by DraftKings, a sportsbook. It's uh, keeping us in the NFL action with great offers every single day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Uh, you know, you probably want to get down on this Kansas-BYU game this weekend. Line's currently at 9 I expect points and points and points, so probably look at the over. Uh, football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and use the promo code SGP. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the National Football League with the code SGP. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-CDraftKings.com. Sportsbook for details. State restrictions apply Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. We're also brought to you by Game Time. If you want to get over to Kansas or this weekend, get some tickets. Uh, the place is going to be on fire. Two undefeated teams, three and zero. Jayhawks, Jalen Daniels. You get the BYU Cougs coming in, and you know tickets. It's times are tough, man. It, it, things are expensive. You just want to get to the football field, have a cold beer, a freaking hot dog. You don't want to worry about your damn freaking price of your tickets. But get over at game time, and you can wait till the last minute and wait for those prices to drop. You could be at the bar like Troy is right now, and, hey, boom, 10 minutes before you get cheap tickets, and next thing you know, you're in the game. Download the game time app, create an account, use promo code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, agree, create an account, and redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And we're back on the Big 12 College Experience, Big 12 game of the week in Lawrence. Let's go. Uh, next up, so we preview the BYU side. Now we go to the other side, and we are bringing on new member of the Big 12 College Experience, new guest, Andy Mitz from the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey, man, we're not talking Kansas Jayhawk basketball. We're talking Kansas Jayhawk football. Andy, welcome to the show, man. Hey, it's, it's great to be here. Thanks thanks for having me on, guys. So uh, kind of the same thing we did with Balmer. I, you know, just going to go right into it. Um, Kansas offense looks awesome. First game without Jalen. Bean looked great anyways. I think they're like 17th in offensive efficiency and 16th in yards per play or something like that. And we were just talking to Balmer about Jay Hill. Do you think that BYU's defense can throw a couple of, you know, boomerangs or, or kind of weird things towards Jalen? Or is that nine number going to be kind of accurate here? Because there's a lot of me that kind of wants to stay away from the nine, but – Man, that Kansas offense could, I mean, you know, two or three drives in a row, give me 21 points as fast as you think. Uh, who do, I guess, who do you think, uh, uh, think Keaton Slovis has a chance to play as well as Jalen here or no? Well, that's a whole bunch to, to, to jump into, but I will agree that the nine seems like a very good line to me. Um, a lot of people, I think, looked at that Nevada game. Um, and yes, the score jumped out in a way that was not great. And you look at what Jalen Daniels did. Um, he did not have any touchdowns in that game, but there was three different plays where the guy was tackled at the one yard line going into the end zone that then turned into rushing touchdowns. So it's not like Jalen Daniels didn't play well. He had over 300 yards. You know, he had what should have been three different touchdowns. Um, so, you know, 
this is a, a team, though, Kansas, that can do so many different things offensively so that you can have a team that could throw some wrinkles defensively at you. And Andy Kotelnikli, the the offensive coordinator there, is going to throw stuff right back at you. Um, he has so many different options. They have so many different things that they can do. One of the hallmarks of this Kansas offense is that not only do they put up a ton of yards and you know usually put up a ton of points, but they do it with a ton of different players. Um, there are so many games where you know you have double-digit receivers, so, so ten or eleven different guys, you know, receiving the ball. You have four different guys rushing the ball. Kansas has just so many options; you can do so many things out of the same looks, or give you completely different looks and run the exact same thing. That it is very difficult for teams to be able to game plan against, especially teams that have never played an Andy Kotelnicki offense. Yeah, and so you know, I, I was I was listening in on the uh, the interview with with Big 12 Mafia and you know talking about how BYU is a team that Kansas hasn't played but I don't know that BYU has played a team that is a lot like what Kansas does at all Kansas gets a big benefit from being unfamiliar to their opponents it's why they get into you know non-conference they have played really well it's why they were able to make that huge comeback against Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl last year because they were able to throw a bunch of wrinkles that a lot of people just weren't planning for I mean, this is this is going to be a fun game. I do think it's going to be extremely high scoring. Um, I do think that the Kansas defense is a lot better than people give them credit for, and they do play a lot better at home. The real question is just going to be, is BYU going to be able to throw enough wrinkles in there that Kansas can't just key in on them? I mean, against Illinois, who has a, a, a decent offensive line, was expected, I think, to be better than it actually is going to end up being this year. But they got six sacks against an Illinois team that has a fairly good offensive line. So, you know, BYU is going to get their opportunities. Kansas has a has a problem at times with allowing a, a quarterback, you know, to kind of sneak out the opposite side of, of the direction. They don't necessarily contain as well when they're over pursuing a running back running the opposite way. But Keaton Slovis is not a guy that, you know, screams to me as, as a rusher. He's not a guy that typically is looking to run the ball. He'll do it in certain times when it's drawn up for him. But I don't think Kansas has to worry quite as much about a guy that's going to leak out and consistently run the ball and give them multiple things to think about. Well, uh, Andy, let, let's talk some Lance Leipold, man, because I'd make the argument he's the best coach in the Big 12 from what he was able to do in already just two years. And I don't think people realize when he got the job, they didn't even really have a – they didn't have a full off season that first year. So it kind of took them a minute to get it going. They were able to beat Texas – Horns Down podcast, a reminder. So that was absolutely fantastic. Got it going last year. Fast start. Jalen Daniels gets hurt. Um, get him back for the Liberty Bowl. That game was off the charts entertaining. Um, year three, fast start, 3-0. and Just like that, just like last year. Just talk about how he's been able to flip the culture of this program. I mean, that blackout against Illinois, that place was on fire. I have not seen Kansas football, an atmosphere like that since – the Mangino days. Yeah, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that there is an avid f- football fan base here at Kansas. You know, back back when Mark Mangino was here, you had sellouts, you had a ton of you know stuff going your way, and then you get probably one of the worst stretches of athletic directors slash head coaches that you could possibly get. You know, um, Lou Perkins. You know, for all that he actually did to get or to have Mangino and and kind of keep him, he's the one that ran Mangino off. Um, you know, and then made an absolutely atrocious hire uh, in Turner Gill, a guy that we typically don't like to name, but, uh, you know, we will go ahead and, and, and name him here. Uh, but then you have, you know, Charlie Weiss come in, athletic director Shane Zinger. Yeah. 
um, you know, you get hitched. It's just uh, David Beatty, a guy that was supposed to come in, right? And his entire role here at Kansas was supposed to be get us out of this scholarship deficit that we have. They had 39 players on scholarship when David Beatty got here. He was supposed to fix that, get them to, you know, the mid-60s or something. After a couple of years, then you decide if you want to keep him or not. Instead, he went and beat Texas in 2016, got himself a nice big contract extension, jumped up those expectations. And when he left, Les Miles was in the exact same situation of only like 40-something scholarship players. So, unfortunately, Kansas has had so many different things go against them to really stifle the way that the program is built. I think the worst the worst part about it was Jeff Wong came and then hired Les Miles. There was talk about guys like Lance Leipold, um, you know, the uh, the uh, uh, the guy from Army. I had he's the guy that I actually originally wanted them to hire, and now I completely forgot Munkin. his name. Because, yeah, Munkin. There, there yeah. we go, Jeff yeah. Munkin. Um, like those guys were interested, and they got passed over because you know you look at Jeff Wong and he wanted Les Miles. That was the entire plan the entire time. Um, Lance Leipold, though, and Jeff Munkin really wanted this job. It is a job that, that coaches desired, that coaches knew that they could do something with because there is a very, very adamant fan base, a very avid, you know, fan base that wants to support Kansas football. And so, you know, bringing Lance Leipold in, giving him the carte blanche to do whatever it is that he thought he needed to do to build his program, you know, he brought his, basically his entire staff with him, um, didn't have enough room for all of them to be, to be, you know, actual coaches. So a lot of them came on as analysts as well, but he did exactly what you, what you're expected to do. You talked about how he didn't have a full off season. He actually came on the day of the spring game, his first season, like that was his first day on campus. And so like literally no spring at all. They go through the summer. You probably got to about week eight or nine and that's where you were finally like had the number of hours of reps and all that stuff that you would normally have going into a season and then they pull off the upset of of texas down in austin so they have done i think a lot with not very much to start with but the big message that he gives is the consistency i I wrote an article over at blue wings rising which is the site that i run that covers ku um you know at the end of that first summer uh fall camp that they had i'm sorry after the first season going into the next, like that's the big message is consistency. They want to, you know, they have the entire, the same entire coaching staff this year that they had last year. They only added Sean Snyder as an analyst to help with special teams. Like everything is the same. They have 90, I think it's 92% of their offensive production came back this year. You know, they had like 85% total production. They have been so consistent, been able to build on that. They haven't had to learn a lot of the things, you know, again that they did last year they've been able to just add new wrinkles they bring guys up to speed but there's so many guys in the room that know what they're trying to do that you don't you know you can have your three you know seniors and juniors teach the four freshmen what it is that they need to do what they need to be looking for there were so many stories coming out of fall camp of the guys that would go in and jump in and coach in the opportunities that they had to before the actual coaching staff could get there to give them the message so when you have that kind of buy-in for your program and you have guys understand it so well, it allows you to do a bunch of different things. I wanted to ask, well, first of all, I want to uh, ask a question that's not the real question, but how fucking sweet was that big-ass Jayhawk on the black helmets when they went all black? Oh, yeah. I normally hate blackout uniforms because I think it's a gimmick that you just do to have the gimmick. 
But if you're going to do it, you know, don't do like what a lot of teams do where it's like everything's black or everything is like black with white accents or anything. Use your colors to go along with it. You know, a back, a black base, and then you use that to highlight all the other stuff. So the the Jayhawk on the helmet, I love the way that, that, that they use the circus font. That's something that normally the basketball team uses, but the football team hasn't really. The angry Jayhawk is the one that they use for the helmet. That's the one I love. And apparently that's like the new football Jayhawk that they're going to be using. I, I absolutely love it. So I'm really excited about the way that those uniforms came out. I'm not usually a huge uniform guy, but when those drop, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. And this is the way that you should do a black uniform if you're going to do it. See, that was one of the things we talked about on some previous episodes, those Houston uniforms that dropped. And then when they when they posted yeah. the Kansas uniforms, those were complete bet changers. You go and you you cash out and you change your bet right away when you see that the team's <laughs> wearing those. Uh, the real question I wanted to ask was more, uh, uh, you mentioned you think there's going to be quite a bit of points. Uh, you think it's going to be, you know, 37-31, 37-34. I think the over-under is at like 55 and a half. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. I actually think there's that's gonna be more. Like Yeah, that seems that, like that's a really what, easy yeah, over, that's, right? That's what the BYU guy was saying, you know, 37, 34. I mean, I would not be shocked if you know if these teams are both scoring in the forties because I think Kansas is able to do it. Um BYU is, has shown the ability to kind of, you know, get up there and score a decent amount. I do wonder though, like with the way that they played against Sam Houston in the first game, um, if that was just them needing some time to kind of get warmed up or if there are potentially some issues there, I think really what it's going to come down to that, you know, the only way that that over has a problem is if Kansas is able to tee off on Keaton Slovis really quickly and bring a ton of pressure and then BYU just never gets anything going. Um, That's what the game against Illinois was looking like. And then we had some very interesting penalties and some very um, ridiculous calls that I won't go into here. I'm, I'm sure that you guys would love to hear the huge rant, but I've already done that multiple times. Um, <laughs> You know, it's just Kansas has shown the ability, especially on defense at home, to feed off the energy of the crowd and do everything that you possibly can to make it nearly impossible for the other team to really do much. Yeah, no, I, I, I've been super impressed with Kansas. Let me let me talk. Let me talk to your quarterback, man, Jalen Daniels. On the preseason show, our Kansas episode. I hope all you Jayhawk fans watching. Knew how high we were on this guy. I think we had him going nine and three, Troy. And Troy, I think, had him in the Big 12 championship at Dallas. And one of the long shots that we gave out was 100 to one. Jalen Daniels win the Heisman Trophy winner because we, 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 it wasn't necessarily we thought they were going to go 11 and one or 10 and two and be a playoff contender, national playoff contender. But we knew within another year in Leipold system, how electric he was last year when he was healthy. I know he missed the Missouri State game, so right away we're like, God damn it. Like that that was a, we we want him to pad some stats a little bit. But I mean he's he's picked up right where he's left off. Just talk about how how good he's been for these Jayhawks when he's been able to stay healthy. And do you think he can get in this Heisman trophy case or a Heisman uh candidate case if if he can just stay a little bit healthy down the stretch? I know he's down one game, but I mean, he's going to put up the numbers. Yeah, it's it's funny. He didn't really need that Missouri State game to pad his stats because he did that against Illinois. And then, I mean, even True. against Nevada, you know, he was padding his stats there. I, I think what you look at there is, I think the biggest, the biggest detriment to his Heisman case is the fact that he has Devin Neal in the backfield. Because Devin Neal yeah. is an absolute beast rushing the ball. He already he's has, dead. you know, he's, he's averaging over 100 yards a game. He has five touchdowns already on only 40 carries. He's averaging... 
it's like seven and a half yards of carry, which is just absolutely ridiculous at this point. And, and that's not, you know, he's had a ton of gigantic, like 40 yard runs. And then he's like slamming into the middle of the, of the line. He's, he's get, picking up big chunks and also like getting, you know, very, very methodical rushes moving forward. But Jalen Daniels, I think has everything you need to, to get back into that Heisman race. Um, you know, he just needs to have one of those, you know, like I, I can look at, a couple games and think that those are really good opportunities for him to get a 450 yard, you know, five touchdown game. You have one of those. That's the moment that you need to get back into like the discussion about it. And then as long as, you know, he has decent stats compared to everyone else, you look at what he did. Everyone's going to call back to the Liberty bowl game that he, you know, put up just absolutely astronomical stats. And it's not supposed to be like a lifetime achievement award type of thing, you know, and, and you're really only supposed to take into account that, you know, particular year, but if you get him into a situation where he is, you know, going head to head with another player, you look at what he's able to do and how he's able to put a team on his back like that. And I think that gives him the kind of that, that edge up. I, I'm not saying that he's going to win it just because there's, there's too many other good quarterbacks that are out there that have already gotten a huge head start on him. Um, yeah. You know, but I think if, if Kansas finds themselves, you know, in the big 12 title game, like, which was something that I thought was, Maybe a really small outside shot, but it's starting to look more and more like it's a, a decent possibility with the way that some of these other teams are kind of floundering. Um, you know, Kansas find themselves in the, in the Big 12 title game, and if he has anything close to what he had last year, I, I think it's hard to keep him out of being a finalist at that point. So just kind of piggybacking on that, just a, a really quick, um, maybe to give people a better idea of how good Kansas really was last year. They finish one and six, right? Jalen, Jalen, or Jalen goes down, and they lose what TCU, Oklahoma, Baylor, and then Tech, Texas, and Kansas State, right? Like they beat Oklahoma State right in between those those three back to back three losses. How many of those six losses do they win if Jalen Daniels is simply playing quarterback? Well, it's it's funny because they went down. You know, he went down against TCU. Jason Bean came in and almost won the game for them. Um, and, and honestly, the entire complexion of that game changed when Jason Bean came in. Both teams were just kind of slinging the ball all over the place. Um, but, you know, I, I have to think you go on the road against Baylor the next week and, you know, Bean made a couple big mistakes that I don't think Jalen Daniels would have made if, if he was healthy. Same thing against Oklahoma. You got down early and then came all, you know, all the way back. And if Jalen Daniels is the one on the sideline or the, the one, you know, an underneath center, that puts a lot more pressure on Oklahoma. Um, so I think they, they could have won that game. I don't know that they initially would have. The Texas Tech game was close because Kansas couldn't get much going until the fourth quarter. And then, you know, even then at that point, that's when Texas Tech took off and Kansas wasn't able to do much with Bean. And again, I think Bean is a great quarterback. He was a guy that you would love to have as your starter if you needed somebody, right? Like he, he would be a middle of the pack big 12 quarterback if he was the guy starting all the time. But Jalen Daniels is just so much better than that. The, the Oklahoma State game was perfect for him because Oklahoma State had all the you know injury issues as well. So Jason Bean was able to kind of take advantage of that and get a huge win for him. Um, but then Jalen Daniels comes back against Texas, and you can tell he's affected by that injury. And Texas just completely demolishes Kansas because Kansas' running defense wasn't that great. And, you know, you have Bijan Robinson who runs for like 280 yards. Like there's not much you could have done there. I don't think Jalen Daniels could have made the difference there. Um you know, and then you you end up at, at, at Kansas State. I don't think Kansas State, like, I don't think KU actually played atrociously in that game. They were down really early because of a fumble on their five-yard line on a punt. 
you know, and then there was another, like another turnover. Like there was some, st some weird stuff happening in the rain over in Manhattan. And yet Kansas still got it within striking distance going into halftime. Um, like they almost came all the way back before halftime. And then the second half, Kansas State was just, just able to put it away. So this is a team, I think, that didn't have the foundation last year to be able to go through all of those games and get to the end and be ready to go. They had a defensive line rotation that, you know, their biggest strength was the amount of players they had on that defensive line rotation. They weren't the kind of caliber of players that if one of them had to, like, sit there and play the entire game or play, you know, 30 out of, you know, 40 snaps – that he would be able to kind of maintain that and keep going. And like Oklahoma took advantage of that. Baylor took advantage of that. Texas really took advantage of that. But when they were, they were a very, very much a second half team last year because they would just wear down the opposing offensive line. Um, they don't have to do that this year. They have legitimate guys that are able to rush, that are able to get around. They've taken Jeremy Robinson, who was mainly on the outside last year, or I'm sorry, mainly on the inside last year. And they've shifted him around. He now plays both inside and outside um, and has wreaked a lot of havoc in the backfield for, for a lot of teams so far this year. So the fact that they have now defensive linemen that they can count on to actually create problems for their opponent has made it so much easier for the rest of the defense. Um, it's going to be great, I think, this year to kind of see what they're able to do and see how they take that next step against some of those better teams. They get to play Oklahoma this year. They get to go down to Texas, you know, next week. Um, we'll see how that one goes. But they're going to have some opportunities to really make a statement here and get themselves in position to be pushing for the big 12 title game, you know, as they end the season playing against Texas tech and then Kansas state, and then go on the road to Cincinnati. So uh, sorry to jump in front of you, Ryan. It was kind of a two part question. Um, if they were, I see, I would give them at least two more wins. If Jalen plays the whole year, like I think they, I think they could beat, you know, Baylor and Texas tech out of those two losses that they had. Probably if they, yeah. if they end the year with eight wins last year instead of going six and six and then having the greatest bowl game to watch of the whole season, if they were to get eight wins, how much different would just the public's opinion on Kansas be coming into this year? Because that was kind of my angle. I thought that they were, you know, an eight, maybe even nine win team last year that just had some things fall in the wrong way. And they kind of had the same setup this year where they could start off real hot and give themselves a couple of wins in their pocket. I I think they could win the Big 12, man. I, They might have the best quarterback in the conference. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think they do honestly have the best quarterback in the conference at this point. And, yes, that's me, a biased Kansas fan. But, I mean, you look at, you know, Quinn Ewers has had issues, you know, in multiple weeks trying to be consistent and Dylan Gabriel has not had to really play anybody at this point. So, you know, he has a chance, I think, to be the best quarterback, but they're going to have to do it against better competition than that. Um, you know, that SMU game kind of made me wonder what's going on with Gabriel. But anyway, um, I, I don't think last year that they would have been able to be much better because, because you also have to remember, you know, the offense floundered against Iowa state. And I think there was some issues with some players kind of being injured a little bit, but, um, they got really lucky in that Iowa State game where Iowa State yeah. missed three field goals that all of them would have, you know, allowed them to to tie that game. Um, I think Jalen Daniels threw for like 98 yards in that game. Totally. He like threw for 98 yards. I think he had two picks. Like it was it was a horrible game for Kansas. Um, you know, you also have to remember that, you know, they they got down really early against West Virginia and Houston, both of those on the road. 
And it took Houston just being absolutely garbage last year for them to be able to come back and win that one. Um, so, you know, they definitely had some things go their way. There's three games that I think that they played that they very easily could have lost. Um, but I think there's two or three games that if Jalen Daniels was playing the entire year that they could have won those as well. So I, I do think, though, this year, my expectation coming into the year, like I kept trying to like downplay expectations and try to make sure I wasn't, you know, but nine and three is what I saw coming into the year. Like you look, you go through the schedule and I fully, I fully expected, you know, like to win this BYU game because I was worried about, you know, um, Victor Mafia talked about how, you know, a lot of teams or a lot of people are overlooking BYU. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact of like, oh, it's BYU. It's a school we don't care about. I think it has a lot more to do with the fact of teams that come into brand new conferences struggle to get used to those, those conferences. You're taking different trips. You're seeing different people. You're going to different locations, just everything. Now, BYU is a little bit different in that they were independent, so they're not like going from one conference to another conference. But I think that even more is, you know, the the uh, I actually talked about this with a BYU guest on my podcast. Um, they've kind of flipped the way that their schedule is. Normally, they would do the really tough games up front, and then they get to the end of the year, and they'd be playing a lot of those, you know, bye games because you couldn't find opponents that were in the middle of their conference season. And so – you would see them kind of tail off at the end of the year because they were playing a bunch of games that didn't necessarily really matter. Like they knew where they were going bowling. They knew all of this stuff. Um, now you're seeing they have to kind of ramp up the same way that everyone else does. It's a completely different mindset. It's a completely different way to approach a season. And so I don't think people were overlooking BYU because it's BYU. I think it's, there's so many different things. Same with Cincinnati, UCF and Houston. A lot of people were worried about how well they were going to be able to compete this year because it's so much different. I think that, you know, we saw that with Cincinnati against Miami of Ohio. Like, they just completely floundered at that point. Oh, yeah. um, but so, like, I had Kansas beating, you know, I actually had Kansas going 5-1 and one to start the year, losing at Texas. Um, and then, you know, they have some pretty, I think, favorable stretches. You, you have, you know, Oklahoma State and Iowa State. You have both those on the road, and those two teams are looking like complete garbage this year. Um, you know, you have Texas Tech and Kansas State both coming to town. You go on the road to Cincinnati at the end of the year, which isn't really that big of a deal, I think. At that point, Cincinnati will have had time to kind of run the course with all the, you know, adrenaline that they have. So, you know, the big games to worry about is like Oklahoma. You play Oklahoma at home. You almost beat them at home two years ago. You had a huge comeback on them last year down in Norman. I think Kansas is honestly, if I look at it, I think the defense is probably on par and the offense is better. The question is, can they execute at a higher level? And so the fact that it's at home, this is a Kansas team that has shown time and time again in the last year and a half that they play much better at home. And I think that's that's the other thing a lot of people don't realize. That home split, that that, that home away split, especially for the defense, is just the starkest thing I've ever seen. It, it, it was absolutely ridiculous yeah. how much better they played at home than they played on the road last year. And so that's continued into this year. And I really think that Kansas has an opportunity to find themselves in Arlington. So, uh, so right into it before we let you go, Andy. Yeah, I think we, I think we all agree. We think Kansas is going to win on Saturday. I'll get your score prediction. But in the end, do they get to Arlington? And if they get to Arlington, do they win it? I'm still hesitant to say that they're going to get to Arlington. I think it's going to come down to that Kansas State game. Um, you know, I although I think that they can beat Kansas State, I I'm really worry about some of the stuff um, 
you know, Kansas State I don't think looks as good this year as they did last year, and I think that they haven't ha- had that kind of luck. So, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, if I had to pick it right now, I, I think they do make it to Arlington just because the way that the schedule shapes up, the way that they're able to do all of this stuff, they'll be rematching against Texas in Arlington at the end of the year. I love it. See, you're, you're thinking the right way. Texas Texas didn't get to play Kansas on the schedule, which is the funniest, most hilarious thing on their way out of the league that they don't schedule the team that beats no, their no, ass. Texas, Texas plays Kansas next week down in Austin. Oh, yeah, that's right. They go right after BYU. <laughs> yeah. No, no. They, uh, no, really what it is is that, is that they decided it wasn't enough for Texas to lose down in Austin to Kansas on their way out. They had to lose to them twice, once in Austin in you know, week five. <laughs> And then once in the Big 12 championship. So. Oh, it'd be absolutely fantastic. Because that would be that would be one of the coolest angles of the Big 12 title is if Kansas I mean, gets to beat. Can Texas. you imagine just how embarrassing it would be for SEC fans to be associated with that? Oh, the SEC's taken plenty of lumps so far this non-contest. I'm hoping another for one. It. That would be so. awesome. <laughs> Although the K-State uh, Kansas rematch would be pretty. Cool that that's too. true. A, a sunflower showdown down in Arlington. I would not be opposed to that because that would be a lot of fun. No doubt. Well, everybody, go check out Andy Mitts over at the Rock Chalk Podcast. And Andy, I mean, basketball season's right around the corner. You guys are going to be preseason one. Um, so yeah, we're going to have you back on here. Here, here, man. It's going to be it's going to be interesting covering a you know potentially Big Twelve championship uh, football team and the number one team in the nation in basketball. I will say though, for this game, I know that we we um, I do think the Kansas are going to win this game, and I think they're going to win big, pulling away at the end. Um, give me Hawks by 17. Shout out to uh, like Bryson Stricter. Um, you know, I will say that they win this game. Let's go 47-30. 47-30. So Andy's on the over. Andy's and, got the Jayhawks. And as Andy being a uh, – uh, obviously, if you're a Kansas fan, you love basketball, just like we were talking about. Is there a chance that the Big 12 could get four one seeds here in the next couple of years? <laughs> I, I wish. Going, yeah. I wish, unfortunately, I just don't think people will actually let that happen. I do think, though, that we're not very far off from the Big 12 having three teams in the Final Four in a single season. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess if they get two one seeds and two two seeds and they split them all up, there's a chance the whole Final Four is. Oh, yeah. Man, Jerry Jones has got to be hoping he's got the Final Four for the year that the Big 12 gets all four of them in there. (laughs) Get my Mountaineers there. So, everybody, go check out Andy Mitts over at the Rock Chalk Podcast. Follow Andy personally at Andy Mitts 12 and at Rock Chalk Pod. Um, Andy, anything else you want to plug before we let you go, man? Uh, you can also catch all of the covers that I have. I run the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation site covering the Jayhawks. That's bluewingsrising.com. Awesome. Well, Andy, appreciate you ha- or appreciate you hopping on, and we look forward to having you back, man. Good luck on Saturday. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Andy Mitts from the Rock Chalk Pod. Uh, we will be back on Thursday uh, to break down the rest of the slate. Um, we'll go each and every game. I was going to say we got a we got a BYU fan saying it's going to be a close game and we got a Kansas fan saying it's going to be a blowout. And the line set at 9. I I think everybody is right. Like if you take the median of everything, I think this might be this might be a 9-point game. I I think it's set there for a reason. Those casinos didn't build themselves. But before we get out of here, Troy, tell everybody where to find you, man. I know you're headed over to the Nats game here tonight. 
Well, you can definitely find me at Walter's Sports Bar. I mean, you got Captain and Big Pete and everybody walking around in the background. You can find me on the X. Um, up until they start charging like a dollar ninety nine to use uh, Twitter after the new Elon news came out, but uh, yeah, I'd probably suck it up and pay that just to keep using Twitter. It's it's way too much fun. Uh, you can find me you can on, on X at Troy Juning. Yeah, just the full name T R O Y C H E W N I N G, and you can definitely make some money if you follow us on the X either at the College Experience at Moneyline Mac for Ryan or at Rambling Rush for Rush or even at Troy Tuning. Uh, 33 to 1 Moneyline Parlay just easily bends. And you, you hit the 33 to 1 Moneyline Parlay on the game where you get to walk out of the stadium and burn couches down. It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, it's, it's the perfect evening. You go the whole day watching college football, getting blasted. Watching all your bets hit, it gets down to that Pitt West Virginia game. You see the quarterback go down, and you're like, "Oh no, not my parlay!" <laughs> not a problem. We have C.J. Donaldson who's going to run right at your ass and right through your ass. So you know, a pretty good weekend. Uh, you hit a 33 to one parlay, and you better be up money. I mean, if you somehow oh, yeah. lost money with a 33 to one parlay, maybe uh, play like mini golf or something like that. Like bet money on bowling instead, but. Man, it was a pretty good weekend last week. I think uh, when I was going through our picks, I think I only went four and five. But if you, you get thirty-three in, to one, <laughs> well, if you factor in the thirty-three to one and you factor in the South Alabama money line play, even though you bet Oklahoma State with the spread, you can be up. I don't know, twenty-two hundred dollars or something like that. Oh yeah. No, yeah, I mean, if you didn't make money off us last weekend, too bad for you. Hey, and Pitt fans, I'm going to keep being your worst nightmare because I ain't going anywhere, and you guys are going to eat shit again on December 6th. So you guys can kiss my ass. Just like what I said, we're going to beat your ass this last Saturday. All three months, I said we'd be favored. You said no way. Of course yeah. you were favored. And yeah, we you said one going away. You said take them at plus one. You said take them at, at a pick them. You said take them at minus one. You said take them at minus two, minus two and a half, minus three. No we, question. We, we ain't going anywhere. We'll see you guys Thursday. And don't forget to let it ride. <laughs>